Anyway, I completely agree with you, Al, but we should we should talk about that later, okay? Okay. All right, sounds good. Hey, hey guys, this is MetaChomp. I'm Mike Munkachi. And I'm Alex Munkachi. And we're here to bring you the breaking news of what's going on in the movie and video game industries. And today, we've got a couple things on the slate today. Mm-hmm. So, Al, what are we going to be talking about? Well, and please pull no punches. Oh, I never pull. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. That was good. That's good. We keep that's staying in. Okay. So, you know, we have a few different things going on. Um obviously there's been this the 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 E3 demonstration that was actually behind closed doors for Cyberpunk 2077. I got the numbers right, right? Yeah, you got those nailed it. Yeah, so that was that 50-minute demonstration that was behind closed doors uh for a very specific, you know, group of guests. That was sort of like I think there was like an NDA thing, everything. That Footage now has been made, made public. It's like forty-five minutes of of uh, gameplay. It's, it's forty-eight, but it, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, I'm I am I am so sorry. Okay, maybe maybe it's forty-five if you live in twenty seventy-six. Okay, sure. Time moves faster, but I'm so I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's 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 good. It's good. Uh, but it's one of those things where <laughs> when you have. <laughs> Cyberpunk has been exciting. It's an exciting new project from CD Projekt Red. Yeah, it was like um, a vaporware trailer back in what, 2013. Yeah, there was this girl in, in, in I guess on the, on the street, um, uh, panties, gonna, panties like like Sigourney Weaver, just kind of like just with her like arms open. Sure, I'm it thinking was, I'm thinking Avatar era Sigourney Weaver. Thanks for the visual. Yeah, that's the best Sigourney Weaver. But no, it's it's one of those things too because like I mean. Yeah, everyone was really excited about it because it's it's a, it's a massive franchise, um, and uh, it's CD Projekt Red. And so, The Witcher has been widely, arguably, considered to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, RPG franchise. Yep. Um, I myself have only played the first two Witchers. I actually played parts of the third one. I uh, did not really care for it as much. I know this might be get me crucified, but it's one of those things where. I saw a lot of potential. I saw that they made the worlds bigger, but honestly, I got I kind of had like a GTA San Andreas feel to it, where like I could feel like there was so much of a visual jump in visual fidelity uh, between Witcher Two and Witcher One. Yeah, that, that Witcher Three I felt like was just not that much of an evolution with the visuals, and I thought that was kind of disappointing. But basically, this whole subject that we are going to be talking about with this podcast is really where open world RPGs are going. Sure, because Bethesda, Bioware, you know, City Project Red—they're all going to be coming out with their big hitters, and so everyone has a different concept, different kind of a way of portraying where that franchise is going to be heading off, whether it be online, offline, and uh, really be interesting to discuss the, the, the really the pros and cons, the benefits to those uh, the, those new directions. What's your opinion of sci- like science fiction versus fantasy based um, online R- like or RPGs or because um, you know I've I've seen the gameplay for uh, Cyberpunk I think yeah. it looks like it's a very living world yes um, but we've also kind of been screwed in the past with certain E3 showings and uh, was seeing a world that's a lot more detailed and densely populated than it ends up being at time of release. Do you right. think Do you think CD Projekt Red might be kind of yes. cranking up a little bit of no, the detail? No, it, it will, I mean, like, Cyberpunk looks phenomenal. Like, the the gunplay, the, 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 
the, the the driving looks really great. The city, the draw distances, everything visually, the texture work, just the, the the amount of objects and things to see and touch and feel uh, in in the game and what they what they were showing. It's just amazing. It's kind of what I you know. It's like it's almost like if I playing uh, Deus Ex uh, Human Evolution back in like twenty what eleven or so. Yeah. I probably I almost think of like oh this is probably what I what what human revolution was probably like uh, you know back then you know that's kind of how your brain fills in the gaps just like an Ocarina of Time you're imagining like you know um, what was the game the PS4 exclusive uh, the one with the redhead that runs around a post apocalyptic world with the robots the robot dinosaurs. The massive triple A horizon, horizon, zero dawn, zero dawn. So basically, I, I, um, so like I haven't had a chance to play that game, and I know you. I think you mentioned that you were, I just played a little bit of it or mm-hmm. not. Um, so like you know, everyone has a different concept, and that game looked visually identical to the the original, the original E three demonstration. So I think it's really it's going to be exciting to see what happens because uh, CD Projekt Red's pretty good like, as far as keeping up with their promises. Um, they're not. I don't think they're going to flub it like uh, like Gorilla Games did with Killzone Two. Um, I mean, I think they more than made up for it in Killzone Shadowfall. You know, so it's like there's certain developers that kind of learn their lesson over time with like, oh, they may have had one bad showing and they might not have been able. They try their best to make sure it's remaining as just as faithful. But the amount of just the crowd population, all these moving pieces. Yeah, the animations it, it's, look amazing. It's incredible. It would be very unrealistic for me to expect um, that level upon release. But if they can, if they can achieve half of that, I would be so happy. You mm-hmm. know, because I feel like crowds. A lot of developers for a long time they thought that by throwing more people, you know, walking in more random directions, that that was you know sufficient. That was believable enough. But now these people are like, oh, there's a guy. Who's you know homeless? Who's playing for change? He has a guitar. People smoking. People leaning, leaning against poles. It's kind of like the Bioware thing, where everyone's just kind of there's a lot of posing going on, where everyone's kind of doing their own thing. And I guess they have full day and night cycles and schedules for every single person in that crowd. Yeah, which is really pretty amazing. So people have routines, and you haven't seen routines like that since you know like a Bethesda game. Yeah, it's, it's much more like a Bethesda game, um, especially just with all the animations and with their behavior like their daily behavior yeah um but there's there's a that's also something that a lot of people said bothered them about the witcher 3 uh was that the world is so densely populated that Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to even make a dent because there is so much to do there are so many so many missions and so many fetch quests and so much like grinding that people have to do to really get anywhere in that game Mm -hmm. um that it's something that's kind of a challenge uh, that will have to be overcome. It's unfortunately, it's unfortunate that neither you nor I have actually played The Witcher Three. Well, like I said, I played I played um, like ten hours of it. Um, I haven't played a ton of it. Uh, really, in, in contrast to what people you know, any people from the eighties who want hundred hours on it. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, I guess it's just because of my hardware and stuff. I I'm, I must be really shallow, but I feel like the trees actually bothered me because the trees it's pretty they shy. had That's... they had this <laughs> the sway to them you probably seen it in videos where the, the trees would sway like crazy they would look like they're like they're like they're going through like almost like a seizure and i found out that there actually was a potentially an issue with the if you have like a higher refresh rate monitor 
that it somehow synced to that perfectly to the point where like literally the animation cycle for the trees is directly tied so it's 144 hertz which is considerably faster than what they should be and it's just little details like that where like i feel like they kind of they kind of um you know, and like I said, it's it, there are parts of the game that are, are gorgeous, but I feel like that was like if I'm going to be in, in the wilderness and I'm going to be exploring, you know, it can take me out of the game. And maybe they fix it, and I'd love to jump back in if they did. But I, I think that um, <laughs> I love the world building, love the world building of the Witcher franchise. So I would love to see what they do with CG Project with uh, with with CG Project Red. And the, I guess they have also more, way more employees. They have a thousand. Or I'm sorry, they have 800 employees. 800 pl- employees at CD Projekt Red. That's crazy. Um, and uh, so they they are equipped to really put out anything that they want. And so I'm excited to see. They look, it's like they're going all in. Um, you know, I'm excited. Yeah, it sounds like you're talking about sports. They got a really good team this year. They got a roster of 800 people, and uh, they are they are putting pedal metal. Well, I mean, make- okay, so you think about like Ubisoft, for example. Like Ubisoft, when they did um, Assassin's Creed, uh, was it Black Flag? Yeah. They they were there was a collaboration with like three different Ubisofts mm-hmm. all around the world, like Montreal. Detroit, <laughs> the one guy working remote, he loves his job. Okay, he does. But uh, <laughs> but you know all this massive worldwide collaboration. So like you know, and you know, I'm not saying that equates to a better game. But if you're looking for a game that's going to really be packing into the details, um, they're they're showing off every single person's will. You know, manpower of recreating a truly dense, very livable, organic futuristic city which is also funny enough it seems like that's an issue where like futuristic cities are so clean and so like precise and minimalistic that they don't they often forget the grime and i feel like this is exciting because it's a nice tone of grime without being straight up post-apocalyptic as well yeah it's also not hyper realistic there's still like there's an element to the way the characters look that is stylized yes without being cartoony like yeah. it, it, but they're stylized enough Almost like almost like a earlier Uncharted game. I was gonna say like Dishonored, Dishonored, uh, Arcane. They they go a little bit more a little bit more stylized than than traditional, but it, they've the world itself has you know very realistic properties like water and texture work is still yeah, the very physics are predictable yes. and the whole the, the whole world like fits fits together there has, uh, nicely. There's got to be a layer of extraction to a lot of these games. I feel like that's important. I feel like that's. That makes for a game that's a little bit more accessible, and we're not, you know, trying to pixel peep at, you know, certain details. Oh, the eight, this part of the ear, you know, there's some translucency here. We're getting to the point where we're saying that, and it's like, come on, guys, like we're, you know, let's let's calm down here. Well, they're trying to, they're backing, they're backing back into the more stylized visual uh, look of Minecraft, to, but to avoid exactly just like Minecraft, mm-hmm. but to avoid the uncanny valley, right? Um, which still. I mean, we are not there yet. Whenever I hear people say, oh, we are as close as you're going to get to photorealism, I say, like, you know, people have been saying that for a long time now. Yeah. They're like, it just doesn't get any better than this. But we, it's going to get a lot better. So we're going to be looking back at these games. And the games that aren't trying to do photo photorealistic graphics are going to age a lot more, a lot better, a lot better than the ones oh, that are course. stylized. Why do you think that, like, I think Breath of the Wild, in particular, or Okami, <laughs> Okami is kind of a very, very severe example because that's like super it's like cel shaded. Pa- it's a painting, <laughs> it's, it's, but I think that having a style like that 
it just it, it it makes something immortalize immortalizes it makes it really timeless because there is no real bet- metric you know uh, Sly Cooper same exact thing super stylized teleshaded yeah. cartoony but very like Saturday morning cartoon perfect mm-hmm. and there's no worry about oh my god in ten years I mean yes it's gonna look a little blurry running on like a ton on a high def display and they can but they can easily remaster it it could still look very crisp and yeah. maintain the visual fidelity yeah but then uh, like uh, well. if, if you play the PS2 game Primal. Uh, where it's very supposedly realistic, yeah, isn't exactly aged the best. Or, fact, it's yeah, more or, laughable. I mean, or your favorite game for Sega Saturn was uh, Bug. Bug, yes, mm-hmm. Bug Juice. Um, a horrible game. It's an absolute <laughs> nightmare to play. Um, I don't think I ever got I th- past the third level. I think the developers disowned it. I, I'm, 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 I remember reading something about this before that they, the designer just was not having fun. With I think it. I literally became depressed playing. <laughs> Um, you know that. By the way, that I would say that that was that probably was like the earliest version. Like I think from software, I think they kind of took inspiration for from Bug, uh, for Dark Souls. Yeah. Because I feel like the instant death stuff, like it was a hard game, and it was under it was under this cutesy aesthetic. It kind of reminds me. There's a few games that were like this, like Cuphead, mm-hmm. super beautiful, cartoony. It looks like, like you can, a five year old can play it. You know, like Gex, you know, like those. Where they also try to inject humor into it. Uh, Gex suffered from too many underwater levels. I don't understand that. That's like... Yeah, what, underwater levels are when the developer's like, let's just fuck with them. Let's just pad up this game time. Sonic. Nightmares. That was awful. Because you literally you watch him drown, though. It's not even like a nice fade to black or anything. You're watching a hedgehog drown. It's like the Coen Brothers depiction of a cartoon character drowning. Yes, it's terrifying. Um, we should really do a supercut of just characters drowning in video games. Yeah. Also, what's the deal with like water being this like insta death thing? Well, GTA three, he kind of flails around, and then I think the screen fades out, and then he says like wasted or something. Wasted. Yeah, it sounds like a GTA thing. So it's like it's either GTA or Tony Hawk. Who knows? You know? Who knows? <laughs> the songs get stuck in my head from Tony Hawk though. And GTA, the radio stations, ah, perfect. Uh, yeah, Chatterbox. But I actually going back to that initial point though. Where do you see the future of these games? Because they're getting larger. Uh, franchises are they are taking longer traditionally, unless you're Ubisoft. Uh, they're taking longer to develop. You know these big games, these massive teams. You know, and they're promising thirty, forty, fifty, sixty plus hours of gameplay. And it's not just like you know side quests and grinding. It's also right. it can be expansive, and it's all about rebuilding like you know the world and make sure everything looks great. Um, and you're noticing, you know, the, the prevalence of online components. So you'll see, you know, like options for co-op multiplayer and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, we knew that that was going to be a natural progression because, you know, an online store like Horse Armor with Bethesda, you know, like that's not bad, you know. But I think Bethesda definitely, I, I imagine that they would have gone online a long time ago because the world is ripe for having a good buddy or something along to play in you know, go along to these caves and, and yeah. explore the world together. I think those are the kinds of games that are, are ripe for it. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts as far as the future of these of these massive, um, you know, RPGs? You know, the, the, it's a really good question, Al. And it's something that I think we're going to have to continue to watch over time because the more online elements there are, the more immersion-breaking opportunities there are, too. So if you have a community that is very much into role-playing, um, is able to get into the characters and not just be a human being eating, you know, like maybe like eating some like game grub and like playing for hours on end and just talking like a human being. Right. If you get those people actually behaving like the characters that they're meant to be in, in impersonating, 
then I think it could be the most revolutionary thing. So ever. You, you want it like a Renaissance festival online? Kind of like a yeah, kind of like a Ren Fair or or um, you know like uh, like Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons. That's but that's the issue though. Is you, I mean, you and I know from years of playing online, you're you're just going to be playing like you're you're a human being sitting right. on a couch or sitting on a chair playing a game. You're not going to be playing as this warrior looking for your armor. Because well, you played, I remember that at the time there was uh, Oblivion. You dressed up in full suit of armor. I certainly you, did. You had a, a second chair, chair next to you with your yeah. sword resting on it. It, it was, mm-hmm. I think, three quarters scale, but it looked deadly. Yeah, but also the chainmail. Uh, you have never seen chafing mm, until you've no. until you've worn chainmail on a, it's a hot ne- leather chair it's for a, three hours. It's a necessary thing. You know, if you have to realize the game, you have to be in the game. It's true. It's true. But however, I did I did enjoy. Drinking mead out of my wooden cup. Ah, uh, that was A and W. Well, it it had beer in it, hmm. even if it's from a root. That's important. It's still, you know, it's the thought that counts. It certainly is. This podcast is now brought to you by A and W. Yes. So <laughs> yes, I would say that that's that's kind of a that is a big deal. I mean, I I I understand what you mean because there's always going to be um sort of you know an- anachronistic yeah qualities with. Um, you know, having a modern time playing in like an older, like a fantasy thing. And I, I, I get that to an extent, but I guess my only issue is as long as you give me a compelling single player and you're not forcing multiplayer components down my throat, you're not forcing me to play cooperatively. And I can tell like, because like, there's obviously there's the speculation that Fallout 76 is going towards a more of a broader online thing. Yeah. It's, it's becoming, and I, you know, it's weird because there's already like, you know, uh, they're online, uh, Elder Scrolls Online. They already have ESO, which has yep. been around for a long time. It's so I, I very well supported. So they're going to, you know, is this the future of Fallout and Skyrim? Is that the future, do you think? Is that really they're going to make this into these big online properties? I don't think so. I, I, I really think that there's still going to be room for those single player games. Yeah. Um, but there, there will continue to be more online components. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, I mean, the strange, the strange thing is, I want to play games where I'm playing it at my own pace. I don't feel like there's any humans that are going to be jumping in and just destroying the sense that I am actually the commander of my own world. I feel like that's one thing that disrupts massively multiplayer online games is that everyone's protagonist, so it feels like no one is. Right. Um, Which is why those single-player experiences are so important. But But there will still be those online components in terms of like the digital stores but the but yeah. that multiplayer component it would be interesting to set up in a fallout game settlements that are actually run by real people who are all communicating um but are it you, also are you talking about persistence yeah yeah persistence which i think is the holy grail of gaming it's the right. promise of next generation gaming and something that still hasn't really been by the way landed let's talk about that for one quick second too is the fact that you know I don't care if you can make a very realistic character that has like individual blood vessels burst in their eyeball. Like mm-hmm. if they look at the sun for too long or yeah. they, they develop pink eye or something. I, don't, I, want, I want to see that now. I don't, I don't care <laughs> about that. Give me, if I kill someone, that body better stay there. It better stay there. It better stay there. <laughs> if I, you know, that was the one thing with, um, uh, with Halo. Actually it was Halo. Uh, it was Halo 2. Uh, and Halo Three, Halo Two in particular, that bodies ragdoll bodies would stay there for the entire match. 
That's they wouldn't awesome. go away. They wouldn't disappear. So, like, you literally, after the game ended, you literally would just have this, this, you just see, wow, yeah. this is what happened. This is who lived. This is who died. And you can see, oh, wow, I kept on dying over there because there's just a mountain of my body. A mountain of me. And, um, you know, that is, it's weird that we're even talking about this. But, yeah, bullets, weapons, chests that were open they need to stay open mm-hmm. uh, lockers need to stay open like doors need to be exp- if they're exploded they should I don't, remain exploded I don't want a Simpsons reload every time the, 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 the you know the, my time frame ends I want to be I want to remember and I want to feel like I'm making an impact yeah it's like dense density and quality versus and that's an issue that's with, that's with RAM I think that's, with, that's, that's usually it, to do with the RAM it's, uh, it's RAM but it's also it's also just the physics system that games are made up of like if you have ragdoll if you have volumetric like any volumetric areas like Geomod technology from the like from a Red Faction, that ancient game, you could blow holes through walls. And I was using actually, I was going to mention Red Faction as well. Like, I mean, that, that was that was a great immersive, like, like that was such an immersive gameplay experience. Think about holes that. And walls. I mean, you blow up crates in Goldeneye and sixty four, yeah. and they would respawn brand new within what. 30 seconds, 20 seconds. Yeah, but if you throw a proximity mine in there before it's respawned, and then, then it's a, it's a hidden surprise. It's a hidden surprise. And but then you have a, you just have a year or two. I'm trying to think. A couple of years later, two years later, was Red Faction one. I think you're right. Actually, yeah. So like, how did we jump from that? I mean, we was within the two or two or three years. Like mm-hmm. that was a massive because you get in multiplayer, split screen multiplayer with that with Geomod. With, with, with I mean, that's incredible. And then I mean, Red Faction Armageddon, not Red Faction Armageddon. Oh, Red Faction Gorilla. We don't talk about Armageddon, okay? We, we don't. don't. <laughs> it, it, it didn't. It doesn't. You know, you don't take destructive environments and have this um, this incredible, awe inspiring technology, and then just cram everyone underground so they can't use it. <laughs> yes. I don't know what blog, what they were, what if they were on like a you know like a, a live journal or something, and there was that one guy who was like, "I want it to be underground." Thank you. <laughs> and that was it. But but yeah, I mean that for me is a big deal. Like if and, and you couple that with multiplayer, like online mm-hmm. or RPGs, yeah. I would I want to have I, if I burnt down a forest, I want that thing to stay there. Actually, you know what that reminds me of? You, you brought it up before about realism, but Minecraft. Like yeah. Minecraft is interesting because you can burrow way down into the earth and discover caverns and lava flows and it's creepers. A, but it's un- uncanny. It's well, it's so uncanny. I mean, the blocks. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine that I mean, with a more realistic game engine. Yeah, like you wouldn't need like the, a giant wide open space because the whole like the battlefield would become that much more vertical. Yeah, because you'd have that opportunity then to like build and change things. Uh, Fallout uh, Four does it with the settlements, which is interesting. You're able to yes. build structures, which I thought was amazing. It broke the. It broke for me the storyline because I was just focusing on building settlements and making and, sure and, my settlers were And happening. the ice. It broke the ice. It did. It broke the ice. But Bioware. So Bioware is doing the same thing where like they're they're also trying to figure out what they what they want to do with Anthem. Anthem is going into territory which is very Destiny-esque. And Destiny, Bungie promised us. Bungie. Bungie who is kind of arguably has mastered console online multiplayer they have they they promised us an engrossing single player campaign mm-hmm. and, and it said it people, was just gross it was yeah it was underwhelming it was very short it was kind of like it was kind of like you know finding a finding a way to finding a way to play like gone home and beat gone home in like 5 minutes mm-hmm. 
If, if you just don't explore the house, you can beat it in five minutes. God, um, I hate that. It was speed, <laughs> speed, speed runs. Well, it's not even speed running. It's just literally going through one door, going out the other. Um, really? But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, but it's like, but my thing with Destiny is that like that's, that was my fear was that it was sort of like, I can tell like the effort was definitely concentrating on having this, this, this continual support for multiplayer, the ecosystem there to develop rates, yeah. develop this gear, the armor and the, the weapons and everything else. Um, well, and, well, and you're also, you're like uh, some games you're, you're, you're playing the game. I so, didn't. Uh, I didn't buy Destiny for single player. I, I already knew coming in. I just didn't know how much of a shift there would be. Well, it's also different when you're programming for like when you're developing a game like that because your goal then is not to develop a game that has a super immersive storyline per se. Yeah. It's to develop mechanics that keep the keep the player inside the ecosystem so that they continuously buy the expansions and you inside the player. But and I, you inside the player. But that's the pro- that's the issue with open world the, games the, for the sake of being open yeah. world and mining the player right. for cash is that it's not about that. There's no end game. There's no actual actual ending to the storyline. It's purposefully kept open so that there's continuously more expansions to further the storyline, which is it's yeah. just different. It's, 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 a, it's a different it's a different thing. And uh, DLC that's being announced, we're still getting to the point. We're still having DLC, DLC being announced for games. You know, six months, eight months in advance, and yeah. we're like, okay, guys, really get a little, little excited. This there. couldn't get this couldn't be put on the disc. I don't think you pressed the master yet. Okay, like first day, like uh, you know, uh, day one DLC. Yeah, like we're we're still like that's still happening. Mm-hmm. Like there's been outcry, but then there's always the person's like, I want the legendary set right now, and that's why they uh, that's that's why they make those those sets. <laughs> yeah. There's a very small population of people the who whales. are going to spend top dollar whales, whales. That's what they're called. The, like like um, <laughs> no 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 no. I'm not like that. I mean like <laughs> no no no. I mean like okay. So like in Star Citizen, <laughs> like Star Citizen for example. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know you know you know what I mean. So Star Citizen, they're called whales. I'm which just is... enjoying watching this. So <laughs> I've always wanted to fly. <laughs> Nixon. Um, but it's uh... Star Citizen. Yes, there's a guy. There's there's there, you have an option uh, for uh, what was it fifteen thousand dollars? I probably even more to buy every ship. Oh yeah, and there are people I don't know who are why like, though, but for some like for some reason, I've just got a soft spot for Star Citizen because those ships are so well thought out. They that are, community is so rich. I just okay. If the game came out, I would spend. I would probably spend a little bit. Of money. I wouldn't spend fifteen grand. Um, I, I would play it for free happily. But I mean, for a game that's not hasn't come out, probably will never come out. I take issue with that, and now you can't even get refunds. So that's fun, fun stuff. Also, right? but, but also, like, why would people expect to get refunds? I mean, like, if it's a digital, you're just downloading it. Why would you get a refund for something that you just downloaded? Well, I mean, the, argue, the argument made is that any purchases you make, um, you you're, know, and, you're an idiot if you decide to buy a ship for four hundred dollars. And that's the argument. The argument is that yeah, you if you're spending money on this and you're you know. The expectation that the game is going to be, you know, released and to be out. But that's, but I think that's my point with whales is the fact that that's like, you know, Star Citizen is, is a great day. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought back. It's a great, whales. great day example of that small percentage of people that wants to get all the armor, get all the all the toys, you know, all the ships, a lot of the toys. Yeah, but about buying those expensive digital, like those digital items, it yeah. reminds me a lot of 
cryptocurrency. It's something that you don't actually see in real life. It doesn't have a tangible value, but if everybody uh, thinks does, that there's... Does, a- does your horse have armor? Have you mm. seen the commercials? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's... Does, does your horse have armor? Because that's that's it's, the question. It's keeping up with the Joneses. It is. And I mean... I mean I'll never forget. You get you used to be able to pimp out your 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 master chief in Halo. You get to, you know to really make make him. You know you get like custom emblems and yeah. all that stuff and the Red Bull uh, skin jobs. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, I I just think it's that that part is I don't mind an online store. That argument is never to be made. I think I it's think, great. I think it's great if, if you, it doesn't hinder the person who's playing it for the cost of entrance. Right. Um, then I think it's great if it breaks the game. It's it's uh, it's a destabilizing factor that's put in there. Like, I don't think I, I don't think people who look at Anthem. I don't think they're going to be buying it for a single player. But if they think if they go by Bioware's portfolio, they would be expecting. You know, because people. I mean, let's be honest here. Okay, people don't buy Mass Effect for the incredible, you know, uh, gunplay. They no. they play for the story. They play for yeah. the worlds. They mm-hmm. play for the interactions. The deep branching. Dialogue, the relationships, and the, the, oh, the relationships! Oh God, the relationships. Um, that there was a is. I think, I think, I, I think I'm speaking for most people in that the relationship stuff in Bioware games is what makes them. It's great, better. It's great, and also like the great cinematic, the the, the shots, you know, the the two shots, you know, the reverse shots, and mm-hmm. you know, really having. You're um, talking about Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just great to make sure we have it all angles. You know, that's all. That's all. It's important. It's um, true. Oh no, you're talking about Morden. Morden. Oh, you know it. I love him. Um, but it's you know, it's this nice, very finely curated story, and it's very interesting, and it's original, and it's authentic. And I love, I love that. And I think people are going for Anthem. I mean, I guess one of the questions was asked was that was was Anthem going to have romancing options? And no, it's not. Obviously, I don't think any, I don't think few people really thought that was, but that was a question and it was answered. And they have mentioned numerous times before in multiple interviews that they've they're distancing themselves away from that branching storyline from a lot of those dialogue trees and stuff. This is going to be a different. The Bioware that we know. Is is dead? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Mass Effect Andromeda came out, and, oh, and Bioware man, top wa- shelf. Bioware really wants us to forget about that. Game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think I think it's that these these online games are helping to like, funnel this money for development. This is this is the developer that made freaking Knights of the Old Republic. Republica. <laughs> Knights of the Old Republican. <laughs> oh, that's a terrifying game. Survival yeah. horror. You are Bob Dole. No! Do you remember that Pepsi commercial with Bob Dole mm. watching Britney Spears on the TV and he says to his dog, Down Boy. <laughs> Just classy, classy stuff. It's the um, 90s, folks. But yeah, that's bio, people growing up with Bioware. They've kind of come to expect. But Bioware is not going after the people who played Kotar 1 and 2. They're going after the people that played... No, hopefully not the people that played Andromeda. They're going after They're going after it for a new audience. No, they, those people have su- subsequently killed themselves. Yeah. But I think what they're doing, though, is they're, they're releasing this game. It's going to be a cash cow. They're diversifying their portfolio. They're, they're diversifying, yeah. <laughs> but I think they're just going to make a shit ton of money from, mm. from Anthem. From the whales. And then what they're going to... Your words, not mine. <laughs> but then they're going to put that money into single-player game development. Is that really? Yeah. It? Oh, yeah. I, th- I think that's what it is. I think they're still going to pour money into um, hiring hitmen to kill the writers from Mass Effect Andromeda. 
um, because so we, they really need to so it's clear like, the it's slate. Like, so it's like a big corporation. If we give them more money, they're going to hire more employees, right? It's Cerberus all over again. Michael Sheen. Not Michael Sheen. Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Michael Sheen's the bad guy from Underworld. <laughs> I get those two mixed up. He's one. Can we talk about Underworld? Uh, um, underrated. Yeah. Underrated, more like it. It came out years before we don't, Twilight. Just, just like a drama, we don't talk about the later movies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the first one was phenomenal. It was a lot of fun. It was campy. People thought, make fun of it because it's unrealistic and stuff. It's vampires versus werewolves. It's yeah. the most realistic thing I've yeah. ever heard. Oh, yeah. And they call them, what, thylacines? No, that's uh, that's that's, that's, that's the fan, yeah, that's your fan fiction, Mike. Okay, stop trying. Just, <laughs> God, uh, they're called uh, um, Damocles. <laughs> they called Damocles. Um, thyroids. Thyroids. <laughs> called thyroids. They're called lichens. Lichens. Yes, they are called lichens. No, lichens. Those damn lichens. those thyroids. But lichens are the things that also hang down from trees. It's like the mossy, mossy things. Lichens. Well, we don't have those in this neck of the woods. Thylacines are the, was it the uh, uh, Tasmanian tiger, the extinct? You're the devil. The, that's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> it is the devil. <laughs> I wanted to, I've always wanted to play as the devil. Um, yeah, so underrated. Uh, it's a fun, actually, one of the few vampire movies that does not have like a crazy well it has a rom- or like a romance angle to it but it's not shoved down our throats and then expanded uh into 4000 movies no but uh Kate Beckinsale is wondrous as um great actually uh, she's a she, she her i think her role as as like a badass it's weird that she didn't really that she really took off. I mean, I know that yeah, she yeah, was, it, it worked really well. I thought she was great in it. The visual style was really cool. The music by uh, Paul Haslinger was tremendous. By Paul Oakenfold. Paul Oakenfold. Mm-hmm. Ready, steady, go! Do you remember that? Remember? <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. That's the best part of Heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Heat. Collateral. <laughs> Collateral. The other, the other Michael Mann movie that we talk about. Rest in peace. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, yeah, that was great. Darude Sandstorm a couple times. I mean, you gotta you gotta add the add in, add in the classics. Um, but you know, we are talking about an era where Zombie Nation was featured in Shaun of the Dead, and that was a great moment. Well, was that was that was that unironically or was that ironically? It was definitely ironically. It was like the kid was listening to it. On his oh, headphones. that's right. Because I think they used it as they used it as a transition because they had the music playing, and then it actually then went super tinny. Yeah, as if it was just coming out of his skull. So great. Edgar Wright. He's just Edgar got that. Wright. He, he can do no wrong. I I I uh, I've heard that and uh, I, I agree. Um, one last little bit of information too, as well that I'd like to cover with you. Feed me with it. Guardians of the Galaxy three has been rumored to be canceled or put on hold. What do you think? I th- I, I actually didn't know that. Yeah, that's really something. Dave Bautista's like, yo dogs. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he's like R- uh, Randy Jackson as <laughs> Yo, dog. He's like, oh, what's his name? I just forgot the director's name. Not uh, James Gunn. I was gonna say Josh Trank. Josh Trank is not allowed in, in any movie studio. I any, think he's any, in a spider hole in the movie. I think he's. I think he's in a Ralph's parking lot, crying himself to sleep. Yes, but um, and I, I love man. He had promise. He, he had, had a lot of promise. It's it's the studio. I was, I was gonna say Cloverfield. What is it called? Super. Not super. What is this movie? Oh, chronic. Called? Chronic. Chronicle. Chronicle. Yeah, Dr. Dre. Chronic, chronic Dre. The chronic. chronic. The Chronic. Yes. Oh, God. Um, no, Chronicle. Phenomenal. Lower budget movie. Let, let's be honest, though. Both, chron- both, both Chronicle 
Um, and the Fantastic Four borrow heavily from Akira. I think that's the movie that Josh Trank always wanted to make was Akira. Well, just like how what, the Star Wars was, you know, uh, Flash Gordon. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, that was like no, you're was, right. Everyone kind of you know cribs from one another. It's true. It's very true. Excellent word choice. Mm. There is something special to, to be said, though, about um, what Josh Trank tried to do and then yeah. what happened when the studio meddled with what his vision was. And I think what we're seeing is studios making hiring or firing decisions about these creatives. And then this is the simple outcry. That's a hard C. What's Cre- that? Creatives. Yeah, these creatives, yeah. Because they, they're hiring people. X gon' give it to you. X gon' give it to you. They're, but, but James Gunn. Yes. Writer and director on both of those films. And tr- they tried just getting rid of them. And now they're, getting, they're, they're seeing, guess what? There are a lot of people who actually really loves working with James Gunn. It's yes. way different from somebody who's actually like a predator. It was a firing decision made based off of something that was said 10 years ago. Right. And if that were the case for everyone, we wouldn't even have Hollywood. Like, we wouldn't, there would be zero movies everyone's, made. Everyone's a predator. And that's kind of, but that's the issue. And the predator's coming out soon. I know, I know. This is, good, this is a premature segue, but I really appreciate it. That was mm-hmm. really good. But there's something to be said, though, about authoritarian speech when yeah. it comes to like having this 360 worldview. And if you deviate from that, that you have to be thrown out when the nearest troll speaks. There are trolls everywhere you, on the internet. Can you can you blame Disney? Yeah, you can absolutely. Do yeah. you? I mean, there have been arguments being made online. The fact that Disney, even even Gunn himself, said, "You know what? They gave me a chance, and I had the one of the I, uh, what's the guy's name that did the Firefly and Joss Whedon." Yes, Whedon spoke out on behalf of Disney and of Marvel course. because he just said, you know what? I had no experience in, in superhero movies. I had no experience with CGI heavy spectacles and they, they gave me the keys and they let me run with it. And so like Joss Whedon made Disney billions. So James like, Gunn has made D- Disney over a billion dollars. So like my point is, is that, you know, Disney hired him and he had just the way Scooby-Doo. He had Scooby-Doo as his portfolio. So like you know they were they were taking risks. Obviously they didn't know. I don't. Do you think they were aware of the, the previous tweets? What do of you course, think? because okay. the tweets came out before his first movie with 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 Disney with okay. Marvel. So they vetted through all of his. Tweets, of course, they do that okay. immediately. They pull up any sort of dirt. Yeah, and and they try to. They I mean they they have uh they have an incredible team of lawyers. Right. Like Disney is the most litigious motion picture company ever. They are the empire when it so comes. So the lawyers to, fat banked on the idea that no one would see the tweets. I don't think the lawyers really found the tweets to be. Ness, uh, uh, inhibited the the ability for James Gunn to create the movie that he wanted to create. But it's basically the culture of 2018 that basically kind of created something different. I I think what happened is Disney tried to take the high road and it ended up just destroying the road that was actually paved by their best and most brilliant director. Yeah, the best direct. Like seriously, like James Gunn, what he did with with Guardians oh, there's, there's is no being argue, replicated. There's... It's completely changing the face of all the other Disney, uh, all the other Marvel movies. I think it, it, I think Whedon. I I would say Whedon helped to, to shape you know um, with the Avengers because people thought Avengers would never been able to, to take off I didn't even care for Avengers but the group dynamic John Favreau John Favreau I feel actually comedy, did it right comedy and that's another character another character another another human being another person 
who had a um, had gigs as a comedic actor starring opposite Vince Vaughn in Swingers. Yeah. Not exactly like an, an illustrious portfolio that demonstrates, hey, you can do a, a comic book movie. So, like, I feel like, well, can- but it also, I mean, I mean, look, just look at any like. Um, look at so many of these, like so many of these directors. Though they come from not like, not having well, made those big trend. directors. Remember that was the or trend they, of the past like five six years. Yeah, you where, take an indie director, and then you, especially if they don't have really like a developed vision or a de- developed voice, yeah. and mold them so that they're easier to work with, they're more malleable, right? They're, they're more easy to control and fire anyone who actually has an opinion that's different, because Disney fires tons of directors on the projects that yeah. are in development like like how many like for the solo movie like you know the lego movie guys like for uh star wars episode nine um even ryan johnson's like career doing the next uh, doing a trilogy well, I mean, is in jeopardy about, but ryan johnson also took it a completely different direction do you think he listened to studio heads or do you think that's his entire his own creation i want to say that it's his own creation because so he did so, that movie so they, was cray so, so they so they gave him Full unfiltered access to do whatever you want with the, with the Star Wars franchise, the storyline of a main entry into the Star Wars, you know, anthology, yeah, and all of it canon. So, mm-hmm. and like, they made a, in so my like, opinion, so, a tremendous mistake. So, I guess my question to you then is that if they are they are they handling people? Are they are they boxing them in? Like you said, they brought in independent directors and they're kind of forcing them to make a movie that they that they the studio itself sees as, as, as you know acceptable. But then they also then give Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. They gave him well, then full control because what what is what is what is Star Wars: The Last Jedi all about? It's all about social um, like American issues about feminine equality. It's about sl- slavery. Isn't that it's usually about, isn't uh, that PETA. but isn't that usually a studio? Isn't that usually a studio based decision rather than the Certainly. decisions of a creative I'm, individual? I'm positive that so Kathleen Kennedy was in Ryan Johnson's ear. So so whose whose vision is it then? Is it Ryan Johnson or is it Disney? It's both of them. It's 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 both of them speaking as one. But whoever actually takes blame or credit, depending yeah. on how you feel about the film, uh, is uh, like that's the product that we got. And the Last Jedi, in my opinion, is a product, and it's a shitty project um, product. And I and I really did not like that movie at all. No, I, I it was, I mean, me- there, it was meandering are... and unfocused. However, James Gunn's movies. Yeah, they're focused. They're funny. They set up great characters. They set up a visual style. Yeah, and anachronistic like uh, music, um, and just heartfelt storylines. Uh, tremendously well done. I mean, he really took what he learned during doing Scooby Doo and a couple other movies that he did along the years. And it's also he, because Chris Pratt is like I think Chris. I think I don't know if the movies would have been as as successful if Chris Pratt was not in the in the, the lead role. Well, James Gunn was a big part of getting Chris Pratt. The role, right, on Guardians. Well, Dave Bautista has been the most vocal, which is upsetting to me because I think Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana, those two, like Saldana, you know, making twenty Avatar movies, and Chris Pratt becoming this massive multi-billion-dollar action hero, they're the ones that have like the the real credibility. They need to be speaking every bit way more vocally. They need to get out more and and say something because writing one letter is one thing, but Bautista is risking everything. No, but writing that letter was a really big deal. Batista, Batista's like I'm not even I'm not going to make another movie I'm not going to make a movie I'm not going to I'm going to turn my way it's great I'm going to I'm not I'm going to walk away if you're not going to even use the script I'm going to back away now Disney's Dude, gonna, it's great though Disney's That's calling great. the bluff and now the third one will never be made well I'm sure I'm sure that it will be made if it's been on hold it might be on hold for like six months 
But Disney's a giant machine. They're, and they they're, just they're, think they're using time. So you think they're going to use time and the passage of time to be able to kind of dull Absolute, the controversy? Absolutely. Like they have, they're very smart about this stuff. They're like, all right, we're just going to wait for a little while, wait for things to kind of cool down, and then we're going to get a really exciting... Who's that guy? Oh, Taika Waititi. He's going to... Like, maybe he'll be the one to direct. I... I could see him doing very there's, like doing uh, very honestly, well. There's, I think in my mind, there's like a 95 percent chance like that because Thor Ragnarok was a phenomenal movie. It was well edited, well directed, gorgeous cinematography, very funny and very timely, and just was perfect. Cut from the same cloth as Guardians. It would be foolish for them to really choose anyone else. Yeah, yeah, and he, the fact that he he already you know he he already did a Marvel movie. Yeah, it, it would just it make a lot of sense, but. I mean, Disney thought they could just pluck out a director, have nobody notice, and move on, and replace him with someone else, still use the script initially. Well, my question to you now is because, obviously, Ryan Johnson deleted a ton of different tweets and everything, and also, and there's a lot of people that are trying to go through their their, their Twitter history and whatnot to kind of clean up their, which is their act. It's, it is a, it's a bummer. Then there's Deactiday, which is like basically sort of like a, a movement to deactivate Twitter because of you know some of the more crazy more provocative you know yeah. terms of hate speech and stuff like that too and as well and I think there's that's amicable in certain elements but I think it's also sending the wrong message because I feel like that's sort of you're backing away from a problem rather than actually embracing it it's like you're being super squeaky clean yeah. and, but then you're still making movies that have a lot of violence and might have suggestive themes I mean Ryan Johnson like- Ryan Johnson has a whole new I mean he has, he's in charge of a whole new trilogy so do you think that's still on the table after what the what the incredible divisive nature is of Last Jedi um Apparently, it's in jeopardy. I don't know for certain, yeah. but because the movie was still so financially successful, and I don't know how the fuck they managed to do it, but it has a Rotten Tomatoes score above ninety percent. That I, 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 it's crazy. Yeah. Critic score over ninety percent, audience score below fifty. It's kind of it's really interesting just to see that kind of delta, and I've never I've never actually seen that before. Yeah, I don't. I mean, well, it's funny because a lot of the movies that you and I saw growing up, like most people would consider Dumb and Dumber and and Liar Liar. And uh, Ace Ventura, like classics of comedy. Yeah. Uh, but they were just mauled to death critically. Yeah. I don't think critics really even know how to watch comedies. Comedies are tricky. I mean, Hangover, the original Hangover, yeah. while great, I mean, it's it was like masterpiece level, you know, like on Rotten Tomatoes. But it's also because it came out at a time where yeah. like there was like the recession and whatnot too. So like it, yeah. the timing of like, oh, let's see, let's see the one comedy that's in theaters. There's everything else. Yeah. And I thought it was, I thought it was, it was a it was good great. adventure story, story. And it was timing is everything. Yeah. And it was. It's definitely like a fun, like really light movie. Solo. I mean, another another thing is, yet yet again, they had the whole thing with James Gunn, but then again, like you said, with with Solo, the Christopher you know, Christopher Miller, yeah, and Phil Lord, uh, they they were yanked for the project. It underperformed. I guess yeah. uh, the, the Meg. The recent news is the Meg. The Meg has outgrossed Solo already. That's and really that's funny. been a very big speculation about that. But also with regards to Solo, yeah. I've I've attended a Q and A with the directors with, with those guys for the Lego Movie. Yeah, and during the Q and A, these guys are they are very colorful with their language. Right, they swear like sailors, super connected, but but you know weren't afraid to weren't afraid to like say things that might have been considered to be a little bit more abrasive to the sensitive ears, you know, especially if there were any children right. in the crowd. So I imagine that in a way uh, they might not have, you know, it's kind of like going to, I feel like Disney right now is turning into one of those, like, it's like your neighbor uh, and you want, like you're going over to see them, 
but you don't really know them very well. But they have a really nice house, so you feel like you have to like dress in your best clothes and put on your best behavior and make sure that your your hair is combed and that you baked that special thing perfectly. I was going to ask you: Is it casserole you bring over? It's a casserole, but it's got spinach on the inside and like some like provolone too that kind of rings it. You have to plug up that pot holders too. It's hot. Yeah, you got to have hot hands or some sort of like pot holder. Okay, but but you walk up there and 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 Disney opens the door. It's like, mm. oh, please come in. Could you please take off your shoes? As opposed to a, like a friend's place that you just you come, you visit, you're able to be open minded and hang out. Well, you have to be. You have to be. You have to understand that they're offering you an op- an opportunity to play with you know like to play with the big dogs, to be able to be massive and to be big, and you will yeah. have to concede some of that creative freedom and that speech in order to back- basically be backed by a billion dollar you know massive corporation normally I would say that but not with James Gunn because he wrote Guardians 1 and 2 he d- and he directed both of them too so he came with the idea and with the movie well then again think about this think about the time frame Thor 2 The Dark World which was directed by your one of your favorite directors the guy <laughs> you saying, uh, Kenneth Branagh no no that was it the first no uh Kenneth Branagh did the first Thor or the second Thor. I forgot, but it was um, the guy who did Shakespeare, uh, John Madden. <laughs> um, he did. I think he did the second one. I don't remember. It was a flip flop of one, but they were getting really, really serious. The, the whole line, you know, you know, like I need a horse. That one line when he's like, "This dude, this is a pet shop," mm-hmm. you know. And then when Thor, that conversation when he gets to Earth and there's this, like, you know, yeah, they're he's, he's walking, he's, like, he's walking, another. he's walking down the, the street, and he's like, and they're like, "Is this, is this like a Renaissance festival?" Like a bunch <laughs> of, like there was a lot of humor, yeah, not a lot of humor, but the, the very specific point, time, pointed times of humor would put fish out flex. of water, perfect, yeah. But and people responded to that. Where mm-hmm. test screenings show that you know what, I don't want dire, dull just kind of brooding Spider-Man 3-esque Thor. I want someone who's just having fun. This comic book movie, this escapist, you know, escapism at its finest. Yeah, he's the only character in the whole Marvel Universe who's actually becoming lighter as time goes on. Yes. Everyone else is becoming super depressed of and course. dark. Tony yeah. Stark is now Batman. But the, you see Thor and he's like, oh, I know this guy. Like, you know, like we, we, like, we... We work together. <laughs> yeah. But Thor used to be the guy who was super serious. Right. I mean, you know? he's referred to in, in, in Avengers, you know, as like the, the, the sexy space pirate, which is uh, kind of hilarious. But it's like you would never hear, hear anything like that from uh, from any of the other of his, of his earlier movies, because it was always like Anthony Hopkins was given like a very traditional you know, almost Shakespearean yeah. effort, and they're trying to legitimize it. Uh, this, 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 the, the lore as something ultra serious and mature. Yeah, you know, because Marvel had an issue where everything was a little bit too light and colorful, and then you know, DC had a thing where they were going really dark and very like you know, brooding and all that stuff too. Yeah. Um. But and that which is great, but it's also like it shows to me that James Gunn came in at a time, and they, I think he really did pitch it as 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 such, where he just basically said, "Let's make it. Let's make a movie. Let's have fun." Let's bring in people. You know what? Let's let's take the best parts of like a of the of the group dynamic that Joss Whedon provided for Avengers. Let's make this into an, an experience. You're just joining us. You're a ragtag of group of misfits. Yeah, the co- um, most colorful movie that Marvel has ever done. And let's just have fun. Let's go on adventures. You know, even like Chris Pratt talking about that idea. It's yeah. like it's almost like a childlike fascination, like a Spielbergian mm-hmm. wonder of like let's explore the galaxy. Yeah. Let's just be a bunch of badass heroes and let's do our thing. And mm-hmm. I think 
I think at the time, Marvel was definitely at a crossroads because John Favreau threw in a lot of humor with Iron Man, but that was really the only franchise at the time that was kind of that was actually sticking with the with the you know with the, just the levity and the, the, everything was light footed and there wasn't this massive amount of like moral complexity. Right. Dark Knight was you know and, and Batman trilogy you know was still doing its thing, so like everyone kind of had their own feel and they didn't really know where to go. So that yeah. kind of minus my own shorthanded response of just the timeliness of James Gunn. It's true. And which I, is great. It's I, a, s- I still think it's wrong. I still oh, th- I, I do still, too. I, do I still too. think it's wrong and I and I also the like the best the best people to listen to when it comes to like whether it's right or wrong is like listen to comedians like like Bill Burr, like um yeah. like Hannibal Burris, like those like all these other comedians who've said shit that's off color for right. years and years, and have to stand by it, and it's like part of like part of like they're part com- of they're comedians though. Yeah, but so is James Gunn. I mean, he wrote Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a not, funny. It's a cons- funny film. He's not considered a comedian though. He's a comic. He's a comic writer. Marilyn Manson. Remember this conversation I had with you before? Marilyn Manson, who is who is absolutely a comic a no, comedian, but he's a shock rocker. He's a rocker. He's an artist. He has so, is he's literally his entire his entire shtick is shock. So when he has like a Donald Trump being decapitated, generally people are going to some people are going to be outraged, but he doesn't have to worry about this barrage of controversy because he's like it's Marilyn Manson. This is a guy like Ramstein that literally shoots pig blood into the audience. Yeah, but that's so yeah, but yeah, sh- like shock rocker is fine. But it's also we're talking about an individual who has who has had a, a backbone in com- in comedy for years. In that tweet when it came out, it's two thousand eight. And with all, but were they? Were they, I guess another thing is were the tweets themselves comedic in tone? Yes, they were. They most of them even say that they're jokes. Most of them, most of them say that. Jokes and anybody who says anybody who says like yeah, the, uh, jokes are meant to be pro- provocative. That's actually the point of comedy is to provoke conversation, provoke a reaction, to get people to actually uh, think and 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 react in a colorful way. That's the whole point of comedy. So how do you think Chappelle survived? He's he's also, I mean he he disappeared for twelve years. Well, because he was offered too much Dave, money. Dave Chappelle was gone for the entire length between James Gunn writing the tweet and then James Gunning James Gunn getting fired from yeah. Guardians 3. I don't feel bad for James Gunn because he's had a great opp- he's had great opportunities to work on Guardians I just 1 like, and 2. I, I know I, you- I just feel I just feel like Disney themselves. Yeah just shot themselves in the foot. I agree. And they I, just I handed the you. best director that they've ever had. They're 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 just handing him off to to another studio. DC's going to scoop him up immediately like Universal, the big studios, who knows, maybe even with like the dark universe. You never you never know. But it's he he will he will find work, no doubt. Well, I mean, and he I, was I, able to find work at Disney with those tweets already on his record and known about. But some, yeah. but then a conservative troll brought it up, made it a big and, human and rights I mean, issue. And you know the reason why we're segmenting a lot of this part of the podcast with this subject because it is you know with both of us living in California and in Los Angeles, like it is a conversation that's dominating. It still is dominating a lot of the industry. It is a conversation that is incredibly important because it does ask really what the limits are that you know. What are you willing to give up? You know, are you are you willing to give up anything? If you are if you are tasked, if you are in really a relatively unknown director, or you've made a couple different smaller productions, or any creative individual, what are you willing to forgo to get to get uh, you know those that 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 paycheck? And what is safe? What is not safe? It's a conversation mm-hmm. that's actually scaring a lot of people because they don't you know it, it does admittedly set a very dangerous precedent because it means that literally Facebook and and Twitter is all about 
you know, a, a timeline, a history that has just, you know, continually kept track of every facet of your involvement, everything you've said. Yeah. And so when, when can it really hold up into the past? And, uh, you know, when should you feel accountable? What, what should be considered accountable? But also why account, why even accountable? Like, I feel like it, the decision to can gun over 10 year old tweets was very Soviet. It was very, well, yeah, it, I mean, was, I mean, I, I would say Disney, Disney needs to get rid of John Lasseter so they don't look like massive hypocrites yeah, you but, know but also John Lasseter was actually touching people and John Lasseter is still working there trust me I understand I, I get your point of view entirely and I love James Gunn like you and I were one of three people uh, that loves Scooby-Doo yeah. well, um, and he's, he's, he's done other things he like, has like, Scooby-Doo is like 2003 or 2001 he, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know the date because it's our favorite movie okay? oh, I freaking love it Sarah Michelle Geller, Freddie Prince Jr. Hey, Freddie Prince Jr. He's so good in it um and Sugar Ray, but I mean you know Sugar Ray. That's right. <laughs> and uh, what's his name? Bean. Bean. Yeah. When Bean. <laughs> I can't think. Of. Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. So He's like great. he actually sound that sounds like a Marvel villain. Bean. Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> Bean. <laughs> Bean. <laughs> Behold. Bean. You know Thanos, but do you know Bean? Bean is here. Bean. He's super quiet. Like he <laughs> yeah. doesn't actually make any sense. He doesn't. Sound. He doesn't talk. And then, you know what? Then he just, Here comes Bean. Here he goes. Here's his speech. And he did play Bean. <laughs> he did play himself. Well, he played Bean in, in uh, I was going to say The Great Escape, in, um, in Rat Race. Oh, that great Nazi in rat, movie. <laughs> rat Race, which is basically like The Great Escape to the Treasure, right? It's very true. But yeah, that's that's crazy. I I, I hope the, the, the world, I wish... I wish James Gunn the, the best of luck and, 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 and whatever he needs to do. He's a t- incredibly talented. I don't think he his talents, you know, I don't think he'll have any issue getting work elsewhere. Um, no, no, no. I, like, that's not the point. Like, the principle is more the, the point. It's the principle. And it's and, why it's it's like we're not, we're not, it's not like, oh, poor, it's not like poor James Mike, Gunn. Mike, you rich, set, rich, you set rich up, James you, Gunn. You've set up a GoFundMe for him. I want to make sure that his 12 houses are. You also the, the, wanted he, to, he's had to fire one of his fourteen yard workers. Mm, that's unbelievable. We need to because you I mean, you were also on this whole thing. Let's let's help uh, <laughs> um, the whales save the, the whales. whales. No, uh, who is it? Kel, uh, uh, who's the Jenner? Kylie, Kylie Jenner. Yep, she's supposedly like on on the oh. track for a billion dollars mm-hmm. uh, to be the youngest person ever to have achieved billion dollars at like twenty or twenty one years old. And there was there there was a joke that said that there was a GoFundMe set up so that she could reach her last two million dollars before, like I guess like the, the, the start of next year or something. Yeah, that makes me really sick. <laughs> it was a joke though. Thank. Thank the Lord, society is still holding on. I bet if we look on GoFundMe, there are a bunch. There, are, there are. There, are, it's it's in the thousands. Oh gosh, she's struggling. Okay, she is really. She struggling. and she and James Gunn need to pair up, and you know have they that. Need, yeah, well, for Kylie though, she needs to have a commercial yeah. sung over by Michelle, or uh, by Geller, McLaughlin. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Sarah Michelle. God damn it. Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> McLaughlin. That's, that's my rap name. You say McLaughlin angel. or McLaughlin? Because McLaughlin is my rap name. The only thing is, uh, I said whichever one is correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I agree. I think we can agree to dis- disagree. It's okay that you're on the side of Disney and then I'm on the I side of the free people. I am not on the side. This is definitely of our Disney. This is our Captain America Civil War. <laughs> okay. 
We who were, are you? We were friends once. Wait a second. Who are you? I don't know. Which, which side was which? It was flipped. It was Tony should have been the side of non-regulation. Captain America should have been the side of regulation. But it was flipped. Who's, Tony, the, who's, the, guy with the, who's the guy with the arrows? Oh, um, I just had a total mind blank. I can't think of his. I can't think of the the character character name. Uh, n- not Nightcrawler. <laughs> no. What was his name? By the way, uh, I honestly no no, no, no we let's, let's not leave that. No, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't. I don't know. And I forgot the name of Arrow his. Man. Arrow, Arrow Man. That's that's the side that I'm on. Uh, you're Ant Man, and I'm uh, and you're I'm I'm, Man? Hurt, I'm Hurt Locker. <laughs> that's that's his nickname. Is Hurt Locker? What is his name? Um, uh, the uh, our audience of one is screaming. So he, right I guess that makes sense. If he's not in Infinity War, that must be uh, must make sense because he can't just can't be in the mind. He should he should have died five minutes into the Avengers. He should have been the first person to die. Kind of like a Coen Brothers death where he just gets shot point blank with a shotgun. Yeah, and then ev- <laughs> yeah, and everyone's still like they don't even notice until the end of the movie. They're eating shawarma and they look around. They're like, where the hell is Arrow guy? Arrow guy. Where where is the arrow dude? What's his name? This is so uh, this is bad. Everyone, our, our, our our comic book credentials just went out the door. It's very true. But I mean, I I I'm excited to see. But what it also happens. tells you just how memorable that character is. Yeah, Nighthawk. Nighthawk. That's a router. <laughs> That's a router. <laughs> arrow. De- death, I, I, I was gonna say Deathstroke, but that's freaking that's that's DC. That's where my that's where my alliance is. Nighthawk, Hawkeye, Hawkeye, <laughs> <laughs> the Nighthawk Seven Thousand, Nighthawk, Ultimate Range. Yeah, what's your bandwidth, bro? Oh, three thousand megabits a second. <laughs> Aerodynamic, looks like a stealth bomber. Doesn't take off though. I love it. It's like I'm part of the Avengers, and I can just fire arrows. Yeah, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yes, yes. Uh, Hurt Locker, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. Yep. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Jeremy Piven. I, Piven comes up. Jer- Ron, Jeremy, Jeremy Piven. All of them. They all come up just with. Uh, <laughs> they all come up. They, I get, I get. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, not like they've that. all had long, hard careers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Way to way to stick it to the man. Mm, only the best possible way. But what was the point that we were trying to make with Jeremy Iron with Hawkeye? Oh, <laughs> Jeremy Iron. <laughs> Jeremy Iron. Jeremy, what's his name? Jeremy, not Jeremy Piven, not Jeremy Iron. <laughs> Jeremy Renner? Jeremy Renner. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Iron. Iron. He's, uh, yeah, he's the butler. The most porny of all he's, the names. He's the, he's the, he's the butler. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, oh, you're going to go find another lady? In your dreams, Alfred. <laughs> Alfred. That movie is way funnier than people give it credit for. Uh, yeah, I agree, but... The guy who played Simon, the, the badass. It's like, what is it with DC, where the the either Lieutenant freaking Gary Oldman, who mm-hmm. is who plays the, the the craziest guy in um, Leon the Professional, and and um, Fifth Element, yeah, just like just characteristic badass of a bad guy, mm-hmm. and it's always relegated to someone kind of just kind of like a side character. Well, Jeremy Iron, Simon. Yeah, what about what, what, uh, Tinker Tailor sol- Soldier? <laughs> <laughs> I got t- twenty minutes into that movie, and I had the best dreams of my life. By the way, do you still do you still know? Do you know what the the, the riddle was? I never understood the riddle with the water for what the, Tinker Tailor. There's, 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 uh, there's an, <clears throat> oh, were they filling up the? Wait, I was going to do Alan Arkin. I really <laughs> or Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I want to hear this. 
What? Because no, do it. I was gonna say like there's uh, twenty hours. There's a what is it? What is That's it? Like, good. What is it? What was it you say? It's like there's hours one and... bottle, two. They have you have forty bottles. You have thirty. They have thirty-seven. Fill it up so it goes one to two. Love me, love me, love me, sex machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, all, Ooh, boy, every, everyone I just so. sounds like Buster Rounds. <laughs> the Buster Balls. Yeah. Actually, that was a. I'm sorry, that was horrible. But uh, you, no, it was perfect. Actually, that part though did not make any sense. On the bathroom floor, they're, they're just filling up jugs with different. Like, I never. I watched it a couple times. Like, and, and they get super excited, and then they're shooting out math. Just shooting out and, math. And he's like, one gallon, one gallon, and one how many ounces in a gallon? And I'm just like. I'm like that sad odd man out mm-hmm. that just doesn't I'm like okay at least they get it also you know? they don't even have phones so they're not even looking anything up so that means that they were perfectly able to measure out water in the different amounts without even using a phone I will say this as well because I think this kind of brings in my larger point uh, back to the very beginning of this podcast which is that we talked about open world games and I feel like Die Hard with the uh, with the with the I was, I was gonna say Die Hard Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, you know that one. No, with, don't with, tempt them. That's something, yeah. That sounds like a sequel name. That's a, yeah, you know, like Ripley and Newt. Did you say with erection? With erection? Yeah, Ripley and Newt. Um, they mostly came out at night. Yeah, that that that's the one. That's the that's the Die Hard that I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about Die Hard with a Vengeance. It starts small gets bigger and bigger and bigger and there's more locations and more locale and everything else and it's like amazing like it goes on and on and on and on and the world gets more expansive it's like I want my games to be like that I want to start small I want to be able to live small and live comfortably mm-hmm. and do my own thing and then work out this game and RPG in my own fashion but then if I really wanted to if I wanted to branch out yeah if there's like story packs and DLCs and whatnot sure do it as well but yeah. I feel like that's kind of like a I, I don't know. I watched, I, as you probably can tell, I watched Die Hard with a Vengeance relatively recently. And I'll say that the way tell, that they... can smell it on your breath. You know, the, they just a pack of Newports and a white beater. That's what it is. But it's, you know... It sounds, I, that sounds like something you would say. Ah, a pack of Newports. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, but for me, um, it's, you know... Bruce. You know, but the idea was in Die Hard... Like, Die Hard 1 was, literally took place. It was like the saw, right? Like the saw of, of action movies where it kind of took place in one hotel. Yeah, and they made it bigger and bigger and bigger, and they really you go all over the place. You go over a bridge, you go into like a, an elementary school down the block, you go in inside you know shafts and mines and a tunnel and as you know excavation area with the water. Sure, it does escalate. It's, it just gets bigger, yeah, it gets bigger and bigger, bigger, but it doesn't. It doesn't get bloated. It still is so refined, it's focused, and it's so so intent. Everything feels like it's shot with so much intent, and it feels like you said very focused. And I think for brilliant. me, like that's a brilliant, brilliant observation. For me, I feel like RPGs are like, kind of they need to do that. I think that Bioware did a phenomenal job with kind of breaking up the planets and stuff and making you want to explore and everything else. Yeah. And I feel like, I, but I like that you can work out on a home planet. You can still do a bunch of things. And you're not going to feel like you're, you know, that the, the continent itself is being cast. Right. right you're here. not just like plopped in the giant world. It's like you're focused. We need, we need to start small, like Zelda. Yeah. I mean, when uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, you start off pretty small, yeah. and it really it takes you quite a while to, before you even get to. Hyrule Field. It's true. So, it's true. like, I think great band, Hyrule Field. Oh, it's the best. So, but, I mean, I would love to see that come back and, yeah, and, and, Effect, and more focused. In Mass Effect Two, you're basically just building your team. Like that, almost that whole game, you're just you're building your team. It's like 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 fan fiction for Avengers. It really is. Went with uh, Jeremy Piven as Nighthawk. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this has been another episode of Metachop. I'd like to thank you for listening. 
you know what? Let's let's give our audience a, ha- a hand. Give them a hand. Oh, that hand. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Make sure you um just make sure you like exfoliate and really like wash those hands after. Okay. Uh, after what just happened. Uh, okay. But honestly, though, it was really wonderful talking uh, and having you guys listen to our beautiful voices. Uh, we are we are very very excited to announce that uh, we will be launching a brand new MySpace page uh, shortly. Mm, yes. Um, Al, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find us in specific rare cartridges of Game Boy uh, Pocket Games. Okay. Uh, you can find us on like the part of the music creation selection of a Game Boy camera. Good. Um, but be sure also just to catch us on all the, you know, Pringles.com. And all um, that. And all that. And make sure you, you check out Nerdbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nerdbox is a monthly subscription where you just get a bunch of nerdy stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, um, uh, Geek Package, uh, it's a service. Also, it's monthly, and you get all sorts of like nerdy nerdy things from your favorite. From your favorite, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you for listening. This has been Meta Chomp. I'm Mike Moncachi, and I'm Alex Moncachi, and we out. Uh,